We'll read together the confession of the church. In Lord's Day 33. Still part of the third part of the catechism. Dealing with our thankfulness. Recognizing our sin and misery and living in the deliverance that Jesus Christ obtained. We are thankful to God. And the church confesses in Lord's Day 33, which is on page 549 in the Book of Praise. What is the true repentance or conversion of man? It is the dying of the old nature and the coming to life of the new. What is the dying of the old nature? It is to grieve with heartfelt sorrow that we have offended God by our sin and more and more to hate it and flee from it. What is the coming to life of the new nature? It is a heartfelt joy in God through Christ and a love and delight to live according to the will of God in all good works. But what are good works? Only those which are done out of true faith in accordance with the law of God and to his glory, and not those based on our own opinion or on precepts of men. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, Lord's Day 33 contains our confession about what it means to be regenerated, born again, converted, or repentant. All these words point to a change in our hearts and our minds and our actions. And Christians recognize that when they are renewed by the Holy Spirit, there will be significant change in their lives. I'm sure we've all met people or heard testimonies of the conversion of unbelievers, who, people who turned away from a life of idolatry to serve the one true living God. Such stories always include the first time they heard the Word of God and how the Holy Spirit worked in their hearts both an understanding of the truth, an overwhelming feeling of, and an overwhelming feeling of joy to see the gospel. And then it was followed by new desires in their hearts that led them to completely change the, the, the focus and the priorities of their life. It's a life-changing experience. People who were once selfish, proud, unkind, enslaved by sin, they speak of finally understanding that they were sinners, confession of sins, and broken and contrite spirits that learned to trust only in God. Bar brawlers became soft and gentle toward others. Self-righteous, judgmental people became understanding and patient with the weaknesses of others. And selfish people began living to the glory of God instead of just for themselves. We confess that this change of heart in a converted we, we confess that this change in the heart of unbelievers as they as they come to the faith is also a regular part of a converted Christian's life. Besides the initial conversion, there is an ongoing process of dying to the old nature and the coming to life of the new. Today we will turn to Psalm 51 to understand the heart of this process. 
Although the words of the psalm were prepared originally in the context of David's repentance after he committed adultery with Bathsheba and killed her husband Uriah, the words have now become the words of the church to describe God's powerful grace in the hearts and lives of everyone who turns to him in repentance. And I preach to you this gospel under the theme, God has mercy on humble sinners who turn to him in repentance. We'll see that he does not despise a broken spirit and contrite heart, and he renews us with a right spirit and creates in us a clean heart. As we follow the example of the true conversion or repentance of a person, as the Holy Spirit reveals this to us in Psalm 51, the Lord shows us that the dying of the old nature begins with a turning to God. Psalm 51 verse 1. Although our sins cause harm to other people, believers understand that ultimately we sin against the Lord who revealed His will and His judgment for our sins. We often tend to keep our disputes at the the human level, pointing to what other people have done to deserve our poor treatment of them. However, when our repentance is sincere, we will confess that regardless of what others have done to us, if we have responded sinfully, we have sinned directly against God. Psalm 51 verse 4, against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. That's the biggest problem with our sins. They offend God. Above everything else, truly repentant sinners know that they need to have peace with God. And true repentance and conversion of people begins with the plea that we read in Psalm 51, verse 1. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. And brothers and sisters, in our fight against sin, when we cause harm to another person with our thoughts or words or actions, or when we lose sight of who we are in Christ and lose control so that we respond in sinful ways to those who harm us, let us first of all turn our minds and our prayers toward God and look into His holy presence to call to our sovereign God and our gracious Father to have mercy on us. And when we look up to God, and when we listen again to all that He has revealed to us about Himself, when we see His perfect justice, His holiness, His arms that are open to receive us in Christ, this also leads us to confess our sins before Him like we sang together in Psalm 32 standing before God's glory also always helps us to take the to see the log in our own eyes and we rightly confess in verses 3 and 5 for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me behold I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me the open acknowledgement of our sins and naming those sins before the Lord in our prayers that takes away our pride and it exposes also our selfishness. 
Don't let the weekly reading of the Ten Commandments go to waste, but think carefully about the sins that are being exposed in, our, in your own hearts by the very finger of God. Allow the law to convict you of your sins, to break your spirit, so that you come to realize how damaging your sins are to yourself, to those around you, to your relationship with God Himself. The Lord says in Isaiah 66, verse 2b, This is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Dying to your old nature involves understanding how damaging our pride, our selfishness, how damaging our rebellious spirit is. And then pointing to to it with with sorrow as we see it in our own hearts. The Lord sometimes, we see in verse 8, the Lord sometimes breaks our bones so that we can feel the misery of sin and more urgently desire the joy and the gladness that He has promised to all those who put their trust in Him. It is only when we understand our sinful nature and the that the harm of our daily sins of weakness, that we can truly pray to God with heartfelt sorrow and grow in our desire to have those sins taken away and removed from us. Our unkind words, our proud thoughts, our gossip and slander, our objectifying of men or women, our selfish desires, our feelings of entitlement, all these things, they're foreign to the image of God that we bear. They are like stains that make us ugly and perhaps even frightening to our neighbors. They're like spikes that, that keep us from drawing near to God in, in peace and trust. And when God in His grace leads us by His Spirit, by His Word, to see all the leaven in our lives and to compare that to how God made us as he revealed that to us in his word. This also brings the sincere Christian who wants to live in fellowship with God to hate those sins more and more, even as we confess. We want to flee away from our sins and we can use the words of Psalm 51 to cry out to God. Chapter Verse 1b, according to your abundant mercy, we cry, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. And again, verse 7, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Brothers and sisters, the, the true repentance and the conversion of people shows itself in our reaction to the sins that we commit and our eager desire to have those sins removed. We see them as barriers that hinder our relationships to God and to our neighbor. And so like a child might scream out when a a big, hairy, clawed, dangerous bug is climbing up its back. Oh, get that off of me! So the Holy Spirit makes His children cry out to God to keep sin and evil far from my heart, far from my lives. The contrite heart is not just sad and crying, but it's filled with indignation 
at its own poor choices and an eager desire to conform or to confirm our greater love for the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 7, verses 8 to 12, the Holy Spirit makes a distinction between worldly grief and godly grief. That's because the harm caused by sin always causes grief. But there are two kinds of grief, says the Apostle. Everybody who sins will feel sad about the conflict, the consequences we have to endure, and the harm, the hassle and stress that comes from hurtful responses. And often that grief will lead us to do whatever it takes to just get on with our lives and avoid more conflict. Worldly grief is first and foremost concerned with where we ourselves will end up, forgetting about how our sins offend God and interfere with the well-being of His church. Worldly grief is often focused on balancing the scales of injustice, and finding someone to pay the debt caused by sins, on the human attempts to somehow earn respect to gain by doing things. But in Psalm 51, the church says in verses 16 and 17, For you will not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You would not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. This is a picture of godly grief that leads to repentance. And God promises in the same psalm not to despise a broken and contrite heart. That means he will not, he, it means he will receive us into his presence when we humble ourselves before him. When we acknowledge that we deserve nothing. When we confess, we believe that he has done everything. When we plead for God to show us His mercy according to, as we see in verse 1, His steadfast love. And what a joy it is to see the mercy that He shows to us. For it is when we are on our knees with broken spirits and contrite hearts that the Lord restores us with a right spirit and creates in us a clean heart. As we follow the Holy Spirit who leads us through that, the true repentance or conversion of people. We see that even as our old nature is, is dying, our new nature is coming to life. This too is the work of God Most High. And, his, and He is able to do this in spite of our sins and our weaknesses. Because in His grace, He punished His own Son for the sins that we committed. Our gracious Heavenly Father has answered our prayer to wash us clean, to cleanse us from our sins, to purge us right from the inside out. He answered before we even asked when He sent His own Son into the world. And because of Christ's work, the Lord has canceled the debt that stood against us because of our sins. He has removed the curse which lay on us because Jesus Christ has taken it on His own shoulders and suffered the anguish and the torment of hell that our sins deserved. 
The Lord also continues to work in our hearts in spite of our sins. He is making what, is, what was dead to be alive with the power that He also revealed when He created the world out of nothing or that our Lord Jesus displayed when He raised the dead to life. That's why we, co- we confess that that coming to life of the new nature is a heartfelt joy in God through Christ. It's a joy that comes to us that's not based on our own accomplishments, not even the act of confessing, but in seeing and believing that the work that Jesus Christ, seeing and believing the work that Jesus Christ has accomplished. It is a joy that comes to us from the outside, a joy in the gift of Christ's righteousness that is counted as our own. A joy and a gladness that comes from seeing God's amazing grace toward us. A joy mentioned also in verse 8 of Psalm 51. This joy is so refreshing and so amazing and so life-changing that all Christians will constantly pray that all sinners, even those who hurt them directly, might embrace this amazing grace and celebrate the peace and the hope of eternal life together in the arms of our gracious Heavenly Father. There's a reason that Jesus taught us to pray for those who persecute us, to go out to make disciples of all nations. It's that overflowing joy of belonging to Him. And the Gospel message that we celebrate is that when we bring our broken spirits to the Lord on our knees, He renews our spirits by His power out of mere grace without any merits of our own. The word renewed reminds us that at one time our spirits, as God created them, were new and fresh and and pleasing to God. For the Lord had created His creatures to bear His image, to represent His glory on the earth. And to be renewed means to be brought back to the way that we were made to be. As our Lord Jesus Christ Himself displayed and exemplified when He was on the earth. People who are renewed with the right spirit strive to be Christ-like in all they do and all they say. And brothers and sisters, hear that gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ. Trust in the Lord with all your hearts. For when we bring to Him our contrite hearts, the Lord creates in us clean hearts. In Christ the Lord hears our prayers so we can be sure that we will not be cast out from His presence. In verse Psalm 51, verse 11, He will not take His Holy Spirit from us. That's the prayer that David, the office bearer, prayed. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit, symbolized with oil, was associated with the anointing of leaders to their offices. And the prayer of the church, the prayer of David is, Lord, don't, don't take this office, this responsibility from me. And the prayer of the church is that in spite of our sins, in spite of our weaknesses, O oh Lord, allow us to continue in our offices and callings 
as your children. True repentance is godly grief followed by a desire to continue serving the Lord with joy in our task. When God gives us a right spirit, He he is setting us back on the path that He has ordained for us. He's putting us back on, on course so that we might faithfully fulfill our mission, our mandate again in this world. When God leads us to repent from our sins, His Spirit also adorns our godly grief with such a deep gratitude for the grace of God and the forgiveness of sins that we are filled with a love and a delight to live according to the will of God in all good works. That's what we confess. That's the joy that we experience. And so with repentant hearts, we pray the words of Psalm 51, verses 12 to 15. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. When God does good to Zion, his church, that's the last verses of the psalm, when in his good pleasure he builds up the walls of Jerusalem, he makes his, his people to be strong again, then his children are equipped to actually please God with their sincere and thankful gifts of right sacrifices. And you can see that change in the psalm. At one time, he doesn't delight in sacrifices. But at the very end of the psalm, he does delight in the sacrifices of those who are living in the grace of God in Jesus Christ. True repentance is the result of the work of God who humbles our hearts, changes our minds, and shows evidence of His grace in our lives by also bringing us into a new way of living. New living. It's defined by good works. We confess that only works which are done out of true faith in accordance with the will, with the will of God, the law of God, and to His glory are rightfully called good works. Since the fruit of the Holy Spirit can only come from those in whom the Holy Spirit dwells. And the Holy Spirit only dwells in the heart in hearts that have been purified by the blood of Jesus Christ. Only those who believe in Jesus Christ are capable of desiring to live according to the will of God. If things we are doing are not for Christ Jesus or for His kingdom, they are being used against Him. If you are using your own opinion of what is right or wrong, or letting your conscience be your guide, or even assessing the value of an action based on human value systems, precepts, all that you do is temporary. It's only related to this world. It may serve society. It may even be creative and interesting but it is not evidence of God's powerful, transforming work in your lives. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, we confess. 
That is the good works that God gives to us. This work of God can only be seen if everything we do is determined by God's will. And if we are, and if we are not led by consciences stained by sin, but by the Holy Spirit who leads us through His Word. Our consciences are bound by the law of God. And when there are different interpretations of what obedience to the law of God is like, we confess that only those that truly are done for the glory of God Himself can be called good. When God shows mercy to repentant sinners, when He replaces their broken spirit and their contrite hearts with right spirits and clean hearts, then they will constantly strive to glorify God in what they do. When we talk about the repentance or conversion of people, we should think of the illustration that our Lord Jesus taught us, that He gave to us when He taught us that a seed thrown into the ground needs to die so that new sprouts might come out. And he was speaking of his own need to, to die to bring new life. And like Christ, resurrected from the grave, we too are raised up with him to new life. When God gives us his spirit through the word, it's like Ezekiel preaching to the valley of dry bones. That's chapter 37. And that which was utterly dead and useless for anyone suddenly becomes alive and ready to serve God. As Christ continues to glorify God with His whole burnt offering of dedication, so we also are filled with an eager desire to constantly glorify God with our lives. And in that, you see the good works given to us by God. We're like butterflies butterflies leaving the, the dead cocoons behind. We too spring to new life in Jesus Christ our Lord, rejoicing that He has made us beautiful. He has equipped us to, to fly and to spread the glory of His name, bringing joy to the world. That's why the Lord makes Christians so beautiful with these good works. And brothers and sisters, let us carefully follow the pattern of Psalm 51 in our lives. Whenever we find ourselves in conflict or brokenness or shame for the sins that we've committed or grief, every day when we pray, let us follow that pattern. Let us turn to the Lord for mercy. Confess your sins before Him. Hate and Flee from those sins with eager haste in actual decisions and the actual activities that we engage in so people can see by what we do that we are a people fleeing and hating sin. And let us find grace in the forgiveness, in the blood of Jesus Christ, whom the Father sent to redeem us. Every time when we fall, we just read the form for the, the the baptism, administration of baptism, that we might not despair of God's mercy, nor continue in sin, but turn to Him and find in Him that faithfulness that we keep in step with the Spirit 
as the Spirit leads us, now giving us new desires, that desire to live according to God's will for His glory. Let us find joy and peace in manifesting, showing the world that we truly are new creatures in Jesus Christ. And so the question comes to each of us as we think about our lives How is Psalm 51 functioning? Do we need to read it again? Because it guides us through to the blessing of that right spirit and that clean heart before God. It's only when we pass through the valley of dying to ourselves, let go of our idols, taking off the sin that entangles, that we can also begin to see who God made us to be in the inside. And then to put on all the gracious gifts He has added as if they they are new garments. Let us every day continue to repent, to change, to, to grow in our faith in Jesus Christ every day. Amen. We'll now sing together the last two stanzas of Psalm 51. Psalm 51 stanzas 6 and 7. Standing if you're able to stand. <laughs>